0: So today we're going to continue with our Brahmavihara practice, and uh, we'll shift to the practice of equanimity, which is very timely for the conditions that we've have been arising for us. And there may have you may still be left with some some feelings, some residue over uh, the event of one of our dear friends having to have some emergency treatment, continuing to know about that, that um, all is going as well as it can be, and at the moment she's fine. So so I want to talk about equanimity and how it stands in the four Brahma-viharas, the four divine abodes. If you remember the other day when I introduced metta, or loving kindness, I talked about metta being the basis of all of the brahmaviharas. Viharas. When metta or the basic loving kindness turns towards suffering, then the aspect of compassion comes out of that. When metta turns towards joy, the joy or happiness that another person is experiencing, then the aspect of sympathetic joy comes out of that. And when metta turns towards uh, the ability to hold both the joy and the sorrow of the world, of our own experience, of the experiences that show up around us, then the aspect of equanimity comes into play. And this equanimity is just as... um, Its word describes. It's a sense of balance. It's a place of inner balance. It's important to understand, though, that this balance is not just a dry uh, kind of experience that we have, where it's just balance. Because we have to remember that it's infused with loving kindness. The basis of it is loving kindness. So, to be more accurate, we might say that it is a caring balance, a loving balance. Another subjective experience that we have when equanimity is present in our hearts and our minds is not just a sense of caring balance, but also a sense of spaciousness around what's happening in our hearts or. in the experiences that are showing up around us, in the world around us. Just a sense of this too is part of life. Not resisting it, not saying it should be otherwise, although we do say that, we notice that happens, that it comes up in our minds, but then we can get spacious around even that, what comes up in our minds, the, the thoughts and patterns that we have in reaction to what's going on in life around us. The far enemy of equanimity is reactivity. And reactivity comes actually in two forms here. One form is where we react with fear. We react with ill will. We react with aversion or resistance. And oftentimes the other part of reactivity is felt intermittently along with this one part of fear or aversion or resistance, and that is attachment or clinging, wanting it to be different than it is. So this resisting how it is, wanting it to be different than it is, is all part of reactivity. Um, I'm going to give a full talk on equanimity tonight. So today I just want to introduce the basics so that we can practice it and then you can maybe uh, understand how it is in your own hearts. And when I talk about equanimity this evening, you'll have a greater sense of connecting with it because of your own experience with it. There's one thing about the equanimity practice that I need to point out, and that is that it's very different from metta, in the sense that, of course, it is a whole different state of mind. It's another wholesome state of mind, like metta is. When we do the practice of metta, as many of you have known for many years, and even those of you who've just begun to do the practice you see and experience that we're offering loving-kindness. We're, we're developing it in our hearts by the very offering of it to others. And we're offering our loving-kindness, hopefully more and more authentically, without attachment to result, without any clinging. It's a simple generosity of heart, just offering our loving-kindness. Actually, what makes this possible to offer loving-kindness without any attachment to the result of our offering is uh, the presence of equanimity within loving-kindness. It's said that loving-kindness would not really be uh, able to do that without equanimity. So in equanimity practice, different from metta practice where we're offering our loving-kindness. In this practice of equanimity, we're using phrases and understandings that simply develop it in our own hearts without offering it to another. So each phrase is not an offering to another being, as you will see and understand more when I give you the phrases, but it's simply inclining our own hearts and minds towards equanimity. So each phrase is meant to incline our hearts and minds to equanimity. Uh, And as I mentioned uh, when I introduced metta, how the Buddha said, what uh, we reflect upon over and over again to that one's mind will incline. What we reflect over and over again To that, one's mind will incline. So each of these phrases are a reflection for ourselves that we uh, make a choice, make an intention to incline the mind there. It can go to reactivity, and we may see it go to reactivity, but even when it reacts, we can incline the mind there. So as we go along in the practice, I'll give you guidance. And as you do it, you'll understand more how it works. Not to worry if you get a little confused or you um, don't know what to do. Just wait for the next instruction or continue to say the phrase. And somehow you'll be able to connect all the dots. For some people, it's a little more challenging with equanimity than it is with the other practice of metta. But it's um, one of the most important uh, mental states, divine abodes that we can nurture, that we can develop in our lives. So let's uh, get into our posture again in a way that gives us that balance in our posture. So noticing any place in the body where you're feeling any tension, any holding. And most of the time, just noticing that place brings us to the wisdom of softening around it, dropping the shoulders, wisdom of releasing the tension around the eyes and the jaw. Noticing the hands letting them be relaxed. And again we start at our heart center around the physical heart connecting the attention in that area. And the general reflection that we begin with from the heart is the truth that all beings experience the various highs and lows of life they're called the Eight Worldly Winds. Praise and blame, joy and sorrow, gain and loss, fame and disrepute. So without exception, no matter how much material goods we own, what our status is in life, socially or otherwise, how old we are, all of us experience these vicissitudes of life, and this is how it is in this realm of existence. Just taking a few moments to reflect on that, knowing how it is for you and how that's the truth for all other beings as well. And then we begin with the easiest person in this progression of individuals, the neutral person. Then we'll go on to the others bit by bit. Again, this neutral person is usually someone we don't know very well. Maybe someone you chose in your metta practice can be the same one here. So making your choice could be someone here at the center, someone in your hometown. And for this particular being, the reflection which nurtures the development of equanimity in our own hearts. could be all beings experience joy and sorrow. Just reflecting on this as a fact of life, though we don't know the specifics of this person, we know the universal ways of life. All beings experience gain and loss, praise and blame, connecting it to this particular person. Moving on to the next individual, a benefactor. Again, choosing someone that's easy for you to have some balance around. We choose the easiest ones first. And having as clear a sense of this person as you can. Maybe it's a visual sense. Maybe it's just a general sense. And then taking some time to reflect on this person's life. Perhaps you know some details of their own ups and downs, or maybe it's just a general sense that this person has happiness and suffering in their life, just like we do. Use a phrase that inclines your heart and mind to equanimity. For example, this is how it is for you right now. All beings have their own journey. Keeping the reflection going, using the phrase that helps you find a place of caring balance in your heart. I care about you and I also know this is how it is for you right now. When you get off track, just bring that person up again in your heart, mind, and begin again. Moving on to the next individual, or remaining here if you choose. The next one is a dear friend or a family member. It may be obvious to you which one to choose. Someone encountering challenging experiences, situations in their life. Making it clear to yourself who this person is. And allowing yourself to reflect on the situation of this person's life, to reflect on them, how they're handling it, just to connect with them in this way. And every once in a while, use a phrase that inclines your own mind towards equanimity, about this person. I care about you. And this is how it is for you right now. All beings have their own journey. May I open to how it is for you with balance and loving kindness. Moving on to the next person, a difficult person, someone you have difficulty being balanced around. Maybe there's some obvious reactivity in connection with this person or in connection with what's happening to this person. So having this individual as clear as you can in your mind's eye and your heart center and take some time to remember the situation around this person or about this person. And this is the time you can go into a little detail about it. May I open with equanimity to the conditions of your life. All beings have their own journey. Experiencing joy and sorrow. Praise and blame. This is how it is right now. And lastly, moving on to oneself. In our reflection, we understand that we ourselves go through ups and downs every sitting every day in our lives. Maybe we reflect on a particular area of that, how there's wanting and then there's resistance. and Then the mind and heart can be relaxed and then the opposites of that can come. And using a phrase that helps develop equanimity about all of those conditions of our life that arise and pass away through a sitting, through the day, through events of our lives. May I open with equanimity and loving kindness to all the conditions of my life. This is how it is right now. allowing the heart to relax and be spacious, neither resisting nor clinging, just being clear and caring. This is how it is right now. Returning the attention to the heart center again. Resting, relaxing the attention there. And closing our time together with some metta, loving kindness practice. Offering metta to ourselves if we can first. May I be safe and protected, offering the cooling balm of metta to ourselves. May I be peaceful and happy. And know the true causes of peace. happiness. then offering loving-kindness to someone nearby. someone directly next to you, front, back, or at the side. May you be safe on your journey, your inner journey. Protected with love and wisdom. and then expanding to include everyone here in the room. May all beings here be healthy and strong. Be at ease with all the conditions of life that arise and pass away in our time here together. and then bringing into our field of metta our yogi friend, Abhaya, who's safely in good hands, yet we continue to offer our metta. May you continue to be safe and protected From all harm, offering the energy of loving kindness in our own ways, even without words, from our heart center. peaceful, happy healthy, strong and also bringing in all of our close family and friends wherever they are may you all be safe May your goodness always protect you. Expanding outward in all directions, including above and below. All human beings, all the animal beings and creatures directly around us Beyond our reckoning, even, in all realms of existence. May all beings be happy, radiating the energy of loving-kindness, outward and upward, around and downward. May you all be peaceful, May all beings be liberated. and May we dedicate our merit of this wholesome energy that we have developed here, sharing the merit of this with each other, With our special friends, even with those who have passed away, by the sharing of this merit, may all beings be benefited, may all beings be liberated. So do you have any questions about the equanimity practice or anything that uh, you experienced? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah, so the the remark is um, came easiest to um, you said to send equanimity and uh, but to develop equanimity for oneself uh-huh, and so in the tradition, is it why is it last when it's supposed to be more well, you're an exception to. <laughs> You're definitely, maybe maybe it is easier for others, too. But it also may be the conditions of this time right now for you. Uh-huh. Well, you can come right up here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yes, yeah, sometimes they're not in exactly that order. Like, for example, in metta, A lot of people says, you know, it's supposed to be that oneself is the easiest one, but for actually a lot of people, oneself's not the easiest one. So here you're learning, I'm downloading, offering the traditional way. When you do it on your own, you can change the order as you wish. Yeah. And in fact, when you do metta or equanimity on your own at home, you don't even have to do all five. You know, maybe you just pick three, the easiest, and then go to the more difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfectly fine. Uh, remember, too, that the equanimity that we're developing is is it's not we're offering it to them. It's we're um, developing equanimity within ourselves about them. Okay? It's about them. So, still, actually, every single individual is develop. With every single individual, we're developing equanimity in ourselves. Then, once it's developed, then then it will pervade quite naturally out into the world and around us. Sure, it's all right. Uh huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're asking about the relationship between equanimity and compassion and when towards a dear friend, mostly compassion arose. So actually those are two separate things I can address. The last one about when compassion arises naturally, when we're doing equanimity and what arises naturally is compassion, then equanimity is already there. And what you're sensing is compassion more than equanimity. So in answer to the first one, which connects also, is it is said, and I find it to be true, that true compassion could not arise unless it was first led by equanimity somehow. Because when the heart is balanced, it's able to face the suffering of another being without reactivity without closing down, without pushing away, without wanting it to be any other way. So uh, a compassion can arise from that balance of mind. So you may not be experiencing that balance of mind per se or by itself, but uh, the aspect of compassion is more predominant for you because equanimity is there. So this is a good point that you're bringing out in that a lot of times when we're doing the equanimity practice, we'll notice more naturally compassion or even loving kindness. And this is totally fine. And just let it, let it come. Let it be there. Mm-hmm. So that is the relationship of equanimity and compassion. Yes. Uh-huh. Mhm. Who I didn't get the last part difficult person in one's life yeah. Mhm. Mm-hmm. When so whether it's practical and uh whether it's skillful you said to do that. Well, if There has been someone in our lives who have harmed us or another being close to us, and we feel that just to bring up that person, we don't yet feel safe, or we don't yet feel that we can bring that person anywhere near our hearts. It's really important to respect that and just to leave them um, in the distance for now. And there may be some day that it's possible that uh, our hearts may come closer to them, they may come closer to our hearts. The most important thing is to respect that sometimes we can't have people nearby because it just doesn't feel safe. So when we choose a difficult person, choose an easy difficult person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll remind you of that if I have to say it another time. Yeah. 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 So it's okay to not do the difficult person. Yeah, it's okay to even don't go there. Just develop it with the ones that are easy. Um, there have been sometimes with uh, students of mine that I've advised them to do metta even for oneself and not go anywhere else, just oneself for a whole year. And um, working, and that works out fine. Or just do the easy ones. Because the way metta is supposed to work, and which I find that it does, is that we develop metta to a point for ourselves or the easiest person to a degree that we can feel it kind of overflowing. And it's like... Um, the metaphor that I use because i I live in the islands is when i I see um, I live in what what is called Valley Isle on Maui, so when it rains, um, there are many waterfalls that you see, and sometimes we see waterfalls that are very high up, and the rain fills the pool, and when the pool is full it flows to the next pool. And when that pool is full, it overflows to the next pool, and so forth and so on. So you can uh, see how that may happen with the development of metta when the gentle rain of metta falls and it fills the pool that you're working with a particular person first. And then when you feel that overflowing then to the next one, You can go. And then to the next one. Yeah. Yeah, Yes. It's okay. It's okay. Totally okay. Just open your heart as much as you can. And it may not be totally open right now, but... Your heart will, our hearts get used to um, opening when conditions are ripe. And we can't force those conditions. Yeah, and we don't even, we can't even intellectually know what those conditions are. But if we keep inclining the mind and heart there, every moment that we incline is just like a simple choice that we make. It's 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 like saying, I know that life is hard and that I can see how my heart closes down around certain things over and over again. But still, there is the conscious choice to incline it towards loving kindness. No matter how hard it is, there is still this conscious choice. And in time, uh, sort of like the conditions of life fulfill that conscious choice especially our own inner conditions, begin to fulfill that conscious choice. So every time we say a phrase, we may be acknowledging, this is really hard. Sometimes I feel I can't do this. I mean, in one single phrase, you know. And we may have all the words, oh, does this really matter? And doubting and all of that comes up. Even it seems like, you know, such a... um, Funny thing, but some people even say they hate metta. You know, just... (laughs) But still, there is this um, determination in a gentle way to make that choice, to incline the mind there, no matter what's happening. And so this is wisdom. You know, it's it's a wise choice, even though we know... um, our hearts are closed down, especially for that reason. We do it. So, love never hurt anyone. <laughs> but it's hard to un- realize that sometimes. Back there. Right. Well, that's why we're doing it. Yeah. So I want to. <laughs> um, I want to talk about distraction. That part that you said in the meta practice and in the and any of the uh, equanimity practices. It's really important to just come back to what we're doing. Um, we get distracted all the time. I mean, if you could see my own mind when I'm sitting here, you know, it goes to what should I say next and how's baya and, you know, goes here and there. So it's constantly coming back to like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And actually that constant coming back brings a kind of, it unifies the mind and the body and the heart. So when the mind and the body and the heart is unified that alone overcomes some degree of doubt. Because a lot of our doubt, should I be doing this, and I didn't hear you say that, but I'm just saying in general, comes from the fact that we're so distracted. And um, it's just hard for us to stay on any one thing. You know, the doubt manifests as indecision. Should I do this or that? And You know, we live in such a... um, kind of a push-button society that if it's not working right away, then we give up. And with in the transformation of our hearts and our minds, it doesn't happen right away. It's taken, you know, at least this lifetime and, and more, if your mind can go beyond that, for this mind to be in the way that it is right now. So to be able to decondition the default settings... <laughs> And to recondition it, to to go towards wisdom or to go towards, to abide in, to develop states of mind that are wholesome, which those wholesome states will support us in going towards wisdom. It takes a lot of unifying of the mind, training of the mind and heart, and to say, no matter what's happening, this is what I'm doing right now. And, uh... Yeah, the mind can go to a lot of places, but to remind ourselves to come back. And it's worthwhile doing. I mean, I would rather, even though sometimes I myself get bored, I would rather do this than let my mind go off how it goes because I value the training that we're doing. And and I can see the results of it. So sometimes you have to give yourself a talking to, you know, (laughs) and say, just say, what. what, I know we would rather by habit do do something else, but uh, we've given our time and uh, we've sacrificed a lot to be here. So, okay, you know, just make the decision, whatever it is, to, to do what we're doing here. And in time, you'll see that the mind will where there has been reactivity in terms of equanimity, where there has been reactivity, we could be in a situation out in the world and all of a sudden the mind will say, okay, this is how it is right now, and just temporarily, momentarily relax into that moment so that we can know what to do when we see that moment clearly. So um, we see how the benefits turn up like all of a sudden even after a few days of of doing it so the distractions will happen it's so normal for us to have a distracted mind and it's possible to just come back and remember what we're doing here now and in time that balance comes Yes, even without the idea of equanimity, just saying those phrases brings, uh, actually, it brings a connecting and sustaining where we may feel safer. You know, a dispersed mind does not feel safe, really. But connecting and sustaining to something, words that are valuable to us, that, that have meaning. Um, words are powerful, They represent a meaning to us. And that meaning can translate into, um, you know, some valuable intention that we're turning the mind to. So I offer various different words, but sometimes you have to find your own. Um, Some of the things I offer to you, other people have said, and valuable to them. So find, find your own words and then come back to... To that those particular words that will still the mind, that will give the mind and heart more safety, unifying that disperses dispersal of the mind, bringing it together with the heart and the body. we feel we can feel very grounded then, yeah, so check it out even if even if we don't feel uh, equanimous. Uh, totally equanimous, there's still a measure of reactivity. Compare how it is when the mind is just here and there. And when you're just, okay, I'm just here saying these words. And um, the relaxing that can come from that. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And I'm wondering about my practice overall I and mean, this kind of orientation towards working with aversion and how it seems like everything is going in that direction. And if there's something unbalanced just you know, that orientation. Yeah, so a lot of aversion and you you see it are you seeing it more and more as you're here in retreat? Well I um I this year I've been retreating. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a lot of work around aversion, and also um, I do want to say that um, for your benefit and everybody here that when we're working with a particular mind state, either in Vipassana or in the brahma viharas, they can actually um, it can seem like they're bigger or more predominant because the the uh, lens of mindfulness. Kind of uh, makes it bigger in a way it it helps us to see it and so it can seem bigger than it really is sometimes. So I just wanted to offer that to you. and also to say that uh, both loving kindness and equanimity will be very helpful supports to your Vipassana practice. You may I don't when I see you personally, I may be able to talk about it more precisely, but sometimes for you or for anyone, when we're overwhelmed with aversion, the direct antidote is loving kindness. But if that doesn't work, and sometimes it doesn't, then it's helpful to go to equanimity, to just, this is how it is right now, just relaxed acceptance, spaciousness around it. It's not that you're allowing it to run you over, it's just that you're um you're not allowing the extra resistance to get there, you know, pushing it away. You're just saying, Okay, this is here now. Yeah, for now. I feel like I have been like that, but then I wonder if I am concentrating too much on it. Like just in the equivalentity practice. Uhhuh. That's what I really wanted to focus on. I didn't I mean I love people but I love them already. Like I really wanted to vocal. Okay so you're working on the aversion bringing equanimity to the aversion yeah. yeah about whatever okay so this is what mostly you're going to practice your equanimity with and that's, fine. that's fine yeah uh-huh you have we have to all remember that when we're working with the brahma viharas in relationship to any of these defilements like within ourselves that when the practice is going um, in a good way, your energy is not lost in the defilement. Your energy is more balanced within the equanimity towards it, the loving kindness about it, or the the bare attention with it. So, you have to be we all have to be careful that we're not getting lost in the defilement we can one of the ways we get lost is thinking about uh, the stories about aversion etc just in the case of aversion so yeah we'll work with that seeing that the energy is more balanced or rooted in the brahma vihara or the mindfulness rather than in what it's facing or turning towards. Okay, so I'll talk more about it this evening. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit DharmaSeed.com